0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Rosh Hashanah sermon by Rabbi Adam Klickfeld. I saw the following unattributed quote this week flying around the Internet. The best part of a concert is being surrounded by people that feel the same way about the band on stage as you do. You can turn in any direction and talk to a complete stranger and be their best friend five minutes later. We all know those lyrics. We all paid to see them. We all bought their CDs, dated. We all love that feeling that spreads over you when that band we all love comes out on stage and plays the songs that saved us when we were down. That is the best feeling in the entire world. On some level, it's some of the magic that I've experienced my entire life as a Jew when I come to shul in general, and when I come to shul in the high holidays. It's rare that you're in a place in life where there's such a singular purpose amongst the gathering. We might have many micro-purposes, but we're all here for the same reason. We're all connected to generally the same music. And if you wanted to, you, be, you could become very close friends with every person sitting around you simply by opening up a conversation. And so we're here for that music and we're here for the same experience. And in this gathering and in the many gatherings that are going to happen over the next two days, it's just an honor and a joy to be sharing this concert, which is not a concert, it's a participation with all of you. Uh, Many of you know that I take this opportunity, even though it's not not the largest attended service of our season, I take this opportunity to express hakarat ha-tov, express gratitude to some of the people that make this institution work. I can't mention everyone by name, but I try to highlight some of the extraordinary work done by so many members of our staff because it seems wrong to launch the season without doing so. I do want to praise in one specific way amongst the many, many ways I could, in particular the members of the senior staff with whom I work so closely every day, to Cheryl Goldman, our executive director, who absorbs so much stress and pressure and critique on the backside so that everything looks as it should be on the front side. You come to this place and you assume that everything is always working exactly as it ought to. When it doesn't, it's on her desk and on her shoulders. And when the place feels as it should, it's because of her work and effort. And I'm so grateful to you, Cheryl, this day and every day. Express gratitude to my FEMA partner, Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney, who amongst many other talents, mellifluously combines the inherited tradition and the constantly renewed innovation that a traditional and modern synagogue like us requires. And it's not simple to do it as well as you do it every week. I wanna express gratitude to my other BIMA partner, Rabbi Rebecca Schatz, who again, in addition to many, many other ways in which she enriches this community, has been working so hard in the last few months to enrich the experience of particular new members to our community who may not know how to navigate their way in, but through her they have a friend, they have a hand to hold, they have someone who's cheerful and optimistic and so clearly cares about their experience and our community will grow in number and in spirit because of your efforts in that regard and beyond. I wanna express gratitude to Rabbi Matthew Shapiro, our Director of Youth Learning and Engagement, who also in addition to so many other things found a way to unlock something magical as we were trying to figure out how this community was going to emerge out of this pandemic and started creating some of the services and events and gatherings that became the most popular things that we did in this community, more popular than Shabbat, where Rabbi Shapiro's programs bringing young families in. And that's going to pay dividends for decades, Rabbi Shapiro, and we're grateful for your keen eye and your patience and your willingness to try over and over again until you get things right. I don't think she's here tonight, but I want to recognize and honor Dr. Erica Rothbaum, our head of school who somehow found a way in an era where we were reading article after article about struggling schools and closing schools and combining schools to make our Pressman Academy grow in the midst of a pandemic, which is an unbelievable feat of determination and grit. And really almost all of that is due to her ferocious, protection and guarding of this institution and the day school within it. I'm grateful to all five of those members of our team. I want to point out, particularly in this setting, Rana Sundi and also Art Mankato. I don't know if Art is here, but he should. he's here somewhere tonight, who are really the ones who are ensured that every setup and every microphone and every room and every piece of decor is as it should be. And there are hundreds of things that go back and forth every day, including us making last minute requests all the time that drive them nuts. And they say yes, because they know that the details are important and they don't get a whole lot of attention and public praise, but they ought to. If you see art on the way out tonight, our director of facilities or RANA over the next few days, please extend your warm gratitude to them. And to Ralph, our director of security, who stands out in front and literally puts himself between us and harm And us in danger hoping he never has to use the expertise that he has he's not just a professional he really cares about temple Betham and he really cares about all of you whether he's met you or not and we are safer and more secure because of him and his leadership out there and on the inside i also want to welcome back to temple Betham the person whom i refer to i think with no hyperbole and with great deference to my father-in-law as the most famous conservative Jew alive. (laughs) Rabbi Joshua Warshawski is back again at Temple Beth Am, and I think more people who self-identify as conservative Jews know of him and or of his music than any other person in our movement. And as I said to him privately earlier, I know it is the case that every conservative synagogue and many others in the country would love to have him and his voice and his unique talent and spirit with them on the high holidays. And we get him. And it's such a blessing to be davening again with you and to be partnering with you. And it's a particular burden for him because he's a new Abba. And we are so grateful that he is spending these days away from his uh, new baby Jonah. Uh, And I know that's not easy. And we don't take it for granted that you are choosing to be here instead of with them. And we hope that these two days are sufficiently meaningful to you that they were worth the effort and the sacrifice. Welcome Rabbi Warschawski. It's also my honor to welcome to uh, Temple Beth Am Sydney Kamlager and her husband, Austin Sydney, is our state senator for this district and for many members of this community. And we thank you for your dedication to the city and to public service, which we know is, a, um, is sometimes an overwhelming and underregarded way to spend your life. And we appreciate what you do for all of us. And Acharon, last but certainly not least, I want to express my gratitude and my admiration for the president of Temple Betham, Mark Samuel, who really is putting on, and I use this word, not the way it's used colloquially, but what it actually means, an awesome display of leadership and dedication and focused effort to make this community stronger. Almost everything Mark does looks easy. I promise you, it is not. And I'm looking forward to the next nearly two years of being your dear partner, Mar. How many of you watch the show, This Is Us? Raise your hand. Everyone caught up, by the way? No, spoiler alert. <laughs> Rebecca doesn't do well at the end. The very end of the last episode, and if I spoiled it, I'm sorry, then, you know, catch up. Come on, it was, it was on a few months ago. A great NBC show, a great NBC show with a very poignant ending. At the very end, okay, I won't tell you why, the two characters, they rhyme with Reth and Rebecca. In the last scene, Rebecca is dying and her daughter-in-law, Beth, comes to her bedside. It's an extraordinary scene. And this is what Beth, did I ruin it for someone? And this is what Beth says to Rebecca towards the end. So much of being a mom is faking it, isn't it? We don't know what the hell we're doing. Not when they're young, not when they're older. So we fake it. We imitate what we think a mom should be. I had a good mom, but we were complicated. I just want to say, all these years, so many times when I was faking it, I was doing my best impression of you, Rebecca. And then she says about her husband and Rebecca's son, I'll take him the rest of the way, Mama. Thank you for helping me with that complicated, incredible, beautiful boy that you raised, but I've got him now. It was definitely a full Kleenex box of a scene. What that character is doing to the dying character in that scene is offering the gift of telling her before she slips from consciousness, telling her how she's going to be remembered. Maybe our most important work this season is starting work again on crafting, and shaping, and curating how we are going to be remembered. And to take control of that very process so, that if and when it is whispered to us as we take our last breaths, the words are beautiful but familiar. Last breaths and legacies have been in the headlines. Almost literally the entire world was witness on, several, on some level to the last breaths of Queen Elizabeth. It was hard not to be a human being and be aware of the last few moments of this woman's life, and everyone alive on some level had a reaction, complicated reactions. There were some really important and hard things written about what it means to take an honest look at the monarchy, the legacy of imperialism, the archaic structure of this approach to leadership in a country, and some really dark legacies of brutal British colonialism Her death really did stir that up, and we don't know what that's gonna turn into as history continues to be lived and written and rewritten. And yet, because I think it's always important for us to live in a complicated way and to think in a complicated way, and more on that in my sermon tomorrow, this woman throughout her long life exhibited and exemplified a sense of presence, a stiff upper lip through hardship, a stalwart life of presence and stability and service. And even if it's hard to define the exact impact of her service, she did indeed live a life of one. There was some consistency to her being such that I remember thinking in the last few years, maybe she'll be the one to show us that it is possible to live forever because it was almost impossible to imagine society without her. And many people in Britain will tell you that their experience of her is that she was living so that others could feel like there's a sense of meaning and order in life, a certain north star to their existence. I want to say two things about the end of that life as we are also in a season of addressing our King of Kings in the language of royalty. We also think about Malchut this season. The first thing is that this woman symbolized an enormous amount. But she didn't do a lot. That's not a critique. That's just the way the system is set up. On some level, thank goodness. I wonder if one of our frames for the next 48 hours, the next 10 days, is to do the simple trick of reversing that, of inverting that of thinking that that it's much more significant that we do something than that we symbolize something. We're constantly figuring out what we stand for, what we look like, what we symbolize, how people see us, how we're signaling in real life and digitally. What might it mean to put some of that aside and exchange symbolism for action? And in that way, taking the death of this queen and converting it into something that becomes a focus and a goal and a guide for us. And the second thing about the death of Queen Elizabeth, in particular, our rapt attention to it. The first line of the Shulchan Aruch, the code of Jewish law, that was written in the 16th century, first in Sfat and then there was a gloss on it in, uh, in Krakow, that in and of itself was a redoing, a recollecting of material that was written about a century and a half beforehand by a sage called the tour. He wrote a book called the Turim, the four columns that set out the four basic ways that we think about Jewish life. And the first line of the tour upon which the Shulchan Aruch was based says the following. You're supposed to get out of bed in the morning to greet the light and to greet the Creator like a lion roaring. Not every morning is it easy to do that, not now and not then. This is what Rabbi Yaakov ben Asher wrote about that. If you are struggling with getting out of bed in the morning to do holy work, to live your life, to claim this moment, the Achshov Belivo, you should think in your heart. If you were in service to a human king, and that human king or queen commanded you to get up in the morning's light, to worship, to serve, to do work for that king or queen, you would be very careful. You would be very hurried. To stand up to that service kasher vahu exactly as you have been commanded. If you would do that to a human king or queen, if you would pay that much attention to a queen's life and death, when you're not even one of the subjects of that queen's life or death, kol how much more so, kal v'chomer benoshel kal It's a how much more so argument, which is the son of a how how, how much more so argument. It's so obvious that we should be aware that we should do the same thing before the king who is the king of kings, the holy one, blessed be God's name. We're not always aware of it. It's not always in the front of our consciousness. The LA Times, the New York Times, the International Herald Tribune does not have a front page headline saying, today you have an obligation to serve your creator. There are headlines about all sorts of kings and princes. Maybe this is a season and this is a year that we remind ourselves as we go through the many obligations and tasks of our life, earning our living and caring for our friends and family and activating for causes that we care about that we also may want to pay attention to the Holy One, to what the Holy One refracted through our tradition tells us are our obligations. If we're going to pay attention to the Queen, how much more so to the King of Kings. That should be our legacy this year too. And it starts now. And it's not easy work, but we're all in it together.